ride with me in my foul life. Podcast world, what's up? Chat Belding back at you. Another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Thank you all so much for the growth. We're humbled by it. Not really surprised because we knew that we had a very passionate and dedicated audience. And when we came off of our sister podcast, This Life Ain't For Everybody, because we kept getting so many requests for more waterfowl tips, tactics, stories, ideas, locations, outfitter reports, product reviews, we decided to break off of the This Life Ain't For Everybody format where we have a more diverse you know, set of guests and topics over there from fitness to cooking and barbecue to MMA and, and sports and psychology and eyesight. And you name it, we've done it over over there and hopefully you guys continue to listen to that please do us a favor and go on and subscribe to both this life ain't for everybody and the foul life podcast leave us a rating and review help us get higher positioning in those platforms whether you get it on spotify or apple or itunes i guess those are the same too but thank you so much for the support today's episode of the foul life podcast is brought to you by our friends at federal premium ammunition the makers of the one and only black cloud we've relied on black cloud for seven seasons in a row to help us successfully and ethically harvest ducks not a lot of cripples not a lot of bb's being bitten into and you all know how much we eat our ducks i'm very humbled today and honored to have two guests from the state of minnesota that flew all the way across the country to the state of california to join us here and i I don't want to i don't want to forget to mention we are at the gray lodge duck club in the butte sink of california thank you so much to wes and the owners of the duck club for letting us be here tonight we're getting ready to cook with the traeger team benny kendrick and Skidmark from the san jose bay area and we're going to throw down on some snake river Farms Wagyu beef ribeye steaks, as well as some California pintail sprig, and we will be bringing that to you live on an episode of The Foul Life. My guests today are from Federal Premium Black Cloud, Mr. Alex Schmieg, who is an engineer that is responsible for some of the designs that you're going to hear about today on the original Black Cloud, the Flex Wad, and the new Black Cloud TSS, and my good buddy, Mr. Brian Kelvington, who is a wizard, a master of media marketing outdoor riders you name it this guy has done it in the space and he's been a good friend of mine he's actually the one the story goes brian welcome guys welcome chad it's good to be here thanks chad awesome i'm glad you guys are here the story goes like this brian you tell me if i'm wrong when i came i came to the booth with willie robertson and Willie introduced me that to you shot show. right before Duck Dynasty was getting ready to, to blow up, right? Willie brought me in to introduce me to you. At that time, they still had the Benelli Duck Hunting Show on the Outdoor Channel, Benelli's Duck Commander, right? Correct. That's correct. And then he introduced me to you, and we started talking. You started yep. seeing what we were doing, and voila, here we are seven or eight years later. Rolling Hard to still. believe, isn't it? Isn't it unbelievable? It's gone by very fast. Do you say that you love me more now or probably more when you met me? Was it love at first sight and now it's kind of wearing off? Or do you still look forward to hearing my voice as much as you possibly can each week? Well, that's, uh, that's a question that would be difficult to answer under circumstances with lights and cameras. Um, but... I can say that our fondness for each other is is, uh, still strong. I love it. We got a lot in common. We both love music, 80s music, 90s music. We both love comedy movies. That's true. Stand-up comedy, Dave Chappelle, which we've been quoting a lot. Uh, Adam Sandler movies. We got a ton of 80s stuff like Revenge of the Nerds and, and... 
Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which I have not seen, but I'm going to. But we also have in common the love for duck hunting, love for dogs, love for family, love for college wrestling. We talk about college wrestling and MMA a bunch. Yep. Um, so we've we just got a lot to talk about all the time. I'm glad you guys are here. Alex, I met in North Dakota, South Dakota area for the first time in 2017 on a snow goose hunt during the conservation depredation season. And we were testing the federal black cloud TSS at that time. Right, Alex? Yeah. So that was prior to the release of the product. So we had to go out and field test that product. And who else to go out and test it with but Chad hmm. himself. And, uh, and we killed 217 or something snows that first day. Yeah, we absolutely crushed them. It was a good hunt. And we were getting the results that you wanted. Results that I was just like, you know, like I've been on several of those hunts where you can kill. It's no limit, right? So a lot of times when you get up out of your blind on those hunts, a lot of times you're laying in the decoys, either in a ground blind or in a snow, in a, in a white suit, a Tyvek suit or painter suit or whatever. You, you're, I'm used to seeing cripples because you're shooting into big flocks a lot of the times. And some, some are getting hit by cross, you know, crossfire and running into a BB in the wing or whatever. When we would get up, we'd look out there and it was just corpses. Mm-hmm. In the most respectful manner that you can talk about snow geese. But at that time of the year, with the federal government mandating these hunts, that's what you're trying to do, right? And I don't know if it's really ever going to put a dent in the snow geese population. Yeah. I don't think it can. They talk about just the numbers on the tundra and they eat themselves out of house and home basically up there. Yeah. And they say that now it's like last year was a, I don't know what the hatch was like, but the snowstorm that covered the eggs and the hatch really really depleted the amount of juvie so it made it really tough last year for snow goose hunters i haven't really heard any reports this year or any projections or forecasting on how it's going to be in the spring of 2020 but i would think it's probably going to be kind of tough again because they had to make up for a year of no juvies but maybe there's a bunch of them that are going to lead they say that snow geese the older birds go first so they're trying to get back up north to mate where a juvie doesn't mate yet until he's three. So those first two years, he just lollygags his way back up there. So you kind of want to be on the tail end of that northern migration as they move back up to try to kill and, and focus on those juvies. But the TSS performed at a level to where I was just like, good night. There was no cripples. Yeah, The dogs had it pretty easy that day. They did. It was just like you're, you 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 know, there was a good wind, so there was there was birds that were getting hit and and being blown or pushed back out of the decoy spread. So the dogs had some work to do, but it was amazing to me to see how many dead bodies there were after each go, and that is a sign of what you guys wanted out of the TSS, which is I want to start with the TSS and then I kind of want to backtrack into Black Cloud because I have my opinions on ammunition. You know, I, I get to shoot a lot of Black Cloud and I think that, I don't know if you guys, we can cut this out of this podcast later if you guys don't want to talk about it, but I think that Black Cloud is so good that you don't need TSS. So my first question to you guys, when you're sitting there and you're in Anoka and you're coming up with new product ideas, why do you think you can sell that product when you've already proven to the waterfowl world that this load will perform like this consistently and you're getting it for a certain amount of money, a certain value, and now you're telling the customer, oh, wait. You know, we can do this with this load when I've, I've already seen the devastation that regular black cloud causes. Go ahead, Brian. Well, I think, Chad, there's, um, there's all sorts of hunters. There's hunters that like to call their ducks in, geese in, to 30 and 40 yards. And so, but there's also hunters that are willing to take the 40, 50, 60, and 70 yards out. So you have to offer to everybody 
products that, that they will um, need to perform, their, to perform at the ranges they feel comfortable at shooting. I don't like to shoot past 40 yards. So for me, Black Cloud is the ideal load. Um, I'm not even comfortable shooting at, you know, even 40. 30 is great for me. But the marketplace does demand um, those level of products, you know, good, better, best level of products where you can extend your range. And especially for snow goose hunting in the spring, there you go. So you're saying that here, here's where I would... Okay, there's snow, a marketplace. There's a marketplace. You're saying that the snow goose hunt in the spring is the marketplace for that. But to me, I would think that you would be going after a guy that I would, didn't say snow goose specifically. I'm just saying snow geese, if you're looking at the distances you can the shoot in the spring, sometimes if they're not callable, especially the, the adults, they're not necessarily going to come feet down all the time, right? But you want to extend your range, you certainly can with this, with this product. Alex? Yeah, and it's just like turkey hunting. People want to push their shots out 70 yards. Same thing. People want to be able to shoot them further out there, get more opportunities. It's based on the, the user. So, so. You're, part of my, me wants to say as the devil's advocate again, because that's my job, is a turkey hunt, hunter might shoot, a, a, a turkey hunter that is really mad at him and after him might shoot 10 times a spring. A waterfowl hunter is going to shoot 10 times a minute in a snow goose hunt in the spring, not every minute, but when he shoots, he's going to unload that extended magazine. Or do you think that somebody is going to be willing to go that extra mile to when you know you're going to be shooting? You know what I mean? With duck and goose hunting, you're shooting a lot more than a turkey hunter does. A turkey hunt might just be one shot. You're done for the day. And it might be your only tag of the year. Some states allow two or three birds. So there's three shots plus your patterning. Maybe there's 10 shots that you take in that spring. Again, yeah. but if you have TSS in your arsenal, and you want to take that longer shot, the, it performs to the level that you won't have triples. You've seen it. We brought you to North Dakota and South Dakota to do the testing. That was our um, investment into you because you're a product expert in all sorts of waterfowl gear. You tested it first. You saw it firsthand. It's amazing. There's no doubt that it's amazing. But is it that much better than Black Cloud? Now you're the you're the engineer. The results that you see in it is it is it something that where you go yes this load is hitting heavier tungsten's obviously heavier what 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 are you going to tell the consumer like this is what you can expect with this load because me I'm looking at this as like a delicacy I'm going to go get a couple boxes and I'm going to be able to treat myself because when I saw you guys shooting it today. The impact was unbelievable. It was just boom. And that's what I want. I want ducks to die. So if I'm on a hunt in the Butte Sink of California at a duck club, and I know that I'm going to get opportunities to hunt beautiful sprig and beautiful mallards and beautiful cotton top widgeons, I'm going to tell myself I'm going to invest in a box of black cloud because I want to go in there and get the results I'm looking for because I may never get to hunt in the Butte Sink of California again. Is that's that fair? Right. Is, that, is that a good customer to go after right there? Yeah, exactly. So it's those customers who are spending, you know, their savings on a, a hunt of a lifetime. They got a proctor right here that can make it their dreams happen. They got a gun that costs eighteen hundred bucks. They got a dog that got eight grand wrapped up in training and breeding. They got a truck that's probably worth uh, these days a truck can be one hundred twenty grand. Uh, you know, camper shells and winches and bumpers and tires and wheels. And then you got your waiters that are upwards of anywhere from three hundred and fifty dollars to a thousand now. So there's waterfowl guys. The, where I'm going with this is that they're gear centric. We're gear nuts, right? Yep. And we so, don't cut corners. 
I don't know if there's another segment in hunting that is more gear or now I'm not saying that you don't need the best in turkey or deer or archery or turkey or well, not turkey but western big game uh, gear a good scope on an awesome rifle with carbon fiber fiber with you know with awesome optics is you know people love that lights light you can carry it around it stays straight it's it it the floating barrel whatever it is but waterfowl guys are nuts. I mean, we go from boats to UTVs to ATVs to thousands of decoys potentially. How about the money you put in your headlamps? Fifty <laughs> to sixty bucks for a headlamp. Just a headlamp. And 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 how important is a headlamp? It's being in the it's dark. Is the, being in the dark or in the unknown is the worst thing for a hunter. Well, like today, I just I went in to get my headlamp out of my backpack with no headlamp, and we were scurrying yesterday because I stayed down here and scouted and tried to set up this hunt, so I didn't get all my stuff organized. I was I was like. Where in the freak is my? And I was in the dark looking for my headlamp. But I know exactly what you're saying. So TSS is that product that you treat yourself to a Wagyu steak once in a while, like we're getting ready to eat tonight, right? Yeah. You don't necessarily have to be the guy that goes and buys ten cases of it. But when I take it out of my blind bag and load it into my Benelli, I'm like, this is a special hunt. I'm not saying that Black Cloud doesn't give me that same feeling. And I'm holding on to this. I love holding on to boxes of Black Cloud, as you can tell. But this TSS is like, man, that's the real deal. And I feel the same when I'm in the turkey woods. You got this box that holds 10 shells. It's something special. And this low, I want to talk about the makeup of this and what you can tell me. Obviously, nothing proprietary. But I want to know what makes it do what I've seen it do so many times. I've never really gotten down in the weeds on the TSS like I have with Dan Compton and Eric on the... Is Eric the man behind TSS as well? Eric Carlson? Yes. Is he one of them? I know Alex is, but is, did Eric help you with the TSS? Yeah, he had, he had parts of it. Okay, he had parts, and he's a really sharp engineer. Yes, and Eric is now the general manager of the plant. Of the so plant. Eric, Eric has been elevated. He now oversees the, um, the operations of the plant. So he oversees the manufacturing facility right now. So he knows every, he knows that the, every bullet that's coming out of there is, meets his specifications. Centerfire, pistol, and shot shell. Really? Yep. Well, good for him. I'm going to yeah, text him great. tonight and tell him congratulations. I did not know that. I love that dude. But when I sat down with him in Anoka and we sat in front of the old federal sign there in the old building, we talked to him about why this stuff is so awesome. And since then, I've talked to him again about the wad that you and him and the, the team of engineers created with the flex wad. Let's start there. Let's start with the wad. Okay. Is the wad in black cloud today? And I'm looking at a box, a three inch ounce and a, or one and a quarter ounce, two shot. 12-gauge, Black Cloud. The new packaging looks awesome. I don't know who designed this, but your design team made it, stepped up their game when the original even looked good. But the new packaging is sharp. Well, you know who leads that, right? Brian Anderson and Jason Nash. Very sharp. They lead that. Just a whole rebrand that's almost now fully integrated into the shelves on every store shelf across the U.S. and Canada, of course, wherever you can buy federal ammunition. The whole new rebrand is just, it's just, it just elevates the brand. It really screams out premium. It really does. And just looking at the box, you know your premium. And when you said Brian Anderson and Jason Nash, the first thing that came to my mind was a song that's always on the tip of my brain. And it goes like this, time has come for revenge of the nerds. You're welcome, Nash. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's like when I see those two together in the booth at SHOT Show and now Alex, it's like you nerd out with these guys and you're just like, man, I really should have went to school more. <laughs> I really should have done more homework because these guys are on a different level. So you... You and Eric and the team of engineers get down with this idea. Now, take me to the original conversations, and you might have been privy to this stuff too, but there was a lot of reputation in the original Black Cloud of being dirty, 
of not being able to be been sh- being shot out of an aftermarket ported choke tube. So take me through those initial conversations. And, I, and I'm not afraid to say that sometimes it's shot dirty. I personally shot it a lot and I never really saw it. I think the combination that we shoot it through is, is deadly with the Benelli and the Rob Roberts. And I think that it, it could get gummy or a little dirty, but I never really had it affect my the consistency and my accuracy. And is that initial conversation back when the flex wad was first being designed, was it because of those two reasons or why was it? So I would say uh, we were basically looking at uh, reducing the uh, dirty burn powder, then also uh, just the uh, aftermarket choke choke market. Uh, So to start on the original wad, you had a window design. And that window design, when they'd go through those ported chokes, they're actually stripping themselves. And uh, so they didn't uh, perform the way they were supposed to. Uh, also, when looking at it, the uh, gussets on the, the back of the wad, I don't know if you, we don't have a picture here. I don't know if you can see that. So on the flight control flex wad, we switched from windows to a vertical slit. And the reason for that is when they go through the, uh, the choke, they don't actually strip off and they, they let the correct amount of air in to, uh, to let the shot out the apple time. So I'm just thinking here, sorry. No, I, I like it. <laughs> just keep going because I'm, I'm sitting here seeing a picture of this wad coming out of the end of the barrel in this choke tube. And what you're saying in layman's terms is if that thing gets stripped too fast, your pattern's busted out of the yeah. barrel. So it wasn't opt- So if the, if the, the tube stripped the wad, it's no longer no longer optimized for what it's supposed to do, which is maintain that pattern, tighter pattern out longer, right? So that was that that retardation of the wad was not beneficial. So we had to solve that problem so that if you shot out of a ported tube, choke tube, or using the aftermarket choke tubes, which you know there's lots of great brands out there, we needed a system that anybody could continue to shoot Black Cloud regardless of whether they shot their um, factory um, tubes, or they shot aftermarket. Alex, so why would it call? Why was it called flex? Is that because the wad is flexing as it's leaving the barrel? It's actually moving and being manipulated, and this new material, this new design, allows it to do that while yeah. keeping while keeping the consistency in, in, in the shot in place. Because you want that shot in place as it leaves the barrel, even though it happens. I don't. I don't even, it happens faster than a snap, but even though it's happening that fast. That wad is designed to keep that shot in place. And then what Brian Kelvington just touched on was allowing the performance of what that shot is supposed to do, meaning the flight stopper with the steel shot in original and then the tungsten and TSS. Why flex? Why is that important? Why is that important to get into the consumer said to go as far as naming it a flex wad? So I, I wasn't, you know, I don't know the exact reasoning, but I, I think it's just because the the way the wad looks itself. So it looks like it's flexing. It's It's kind of blowing up and uh when that gas when it comes out of the barrel the gases are actually expanding the wad and it's flexing out outwards oh so it's not flexing as in like elasticity it's more flexing as a a power lifter like it looks like it's muscling up yeah oh okay i see what you're saying now and just to just to make sure we have the nomenclature right it's actually flight control flex flight control flight control that's because that was the flight, the original wad was a flight control wad. Now, now it's a flight control. control flex wad, as as Alex has described the characteristics of that of that um, product. And then uh, another feature that we added is the gussets in the back of the flight control. I don't know if you're familiar with those. Yeah, oh yeah. So when it comes out, those uh, the fins on it, they the skirt we call it, 
it opens up and the, the gussets will actually help it stay open. It stay open, allowing the shot to do what? So it, it helps us uh, kind of just determine the, it helps with letting the shot go at that certain distance that leads to those, you know, those, those patterns that we're looking for. Okay, so tell me, tell me how this works in a nerdy way of how a choke tube that's considered full as opposed or in comparison to a modified choke tube. If I'm going to shoot a duck at 30 yards and the decoys back flap and I want my pattern to be 150 whatever pellets on target in a 36 inch circle, meaning that when those pellets get to that 30 yard range where my decoys are, that they're going to cover up just like in turkey hunting. You want a certain amount of tur- in a turkey choke. I don't know what constriction you guys shoot, but you want a, a lot of BBs in a small pattern to hit right in that neck, right where the head and the neck meet, right? What, why, how do you take a, a, the flight control? Because now you're telling the consumer that you're controlling the flight of their shot. How do you do that when the choke tube is supposed to do that? I thought that the choke tube controlled the flight of the shot. And now you're telling me that this wad is the acts most... As the, the wad acts as a choke. The original, the original design, the flight control wad, acted as a choke. And so I always shoot modified. Um, I, you, don't, you should never have shot full. That's my, my understanding is a full choke. You weren't getting enough. It's like shooting a rifle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I shoot modified um, out of my Benelli. Um, I have the SBE2, um, thanks to you, by the way. Um, so I've always had success with that particular. Um, my, my favorite is the three-inch um, Twos. Number twos. That's my favorite. For ducks and for, geese? For ducks. You like BB for geese, maybe? I don't necessarily hunt a lot of geese, but... You don't? No. We don't... In western Minnesota, we don't have a... I mean, there are a lot of field hunting, but um, my preference is to, to waterfall... Is to hunt over water. It's funny you say that, because I would tell anybody that ever asked me that question the exact same thing, because people are like, how do you not want to be in a dry cornfield? We're getting a little off subject. By the way, I, like, love, I hunt- love that, I too. love hunting a dry cornfield. Now, I like it to a point like maybe three times a year. And then it's like what we've been doing here and what I did in Texas last week, it's just like there's something about putting your waders on yep. and hearing that boat motor. Yep. There's just, that's waterfowl hunting. It is waterfowl hunting. Waterfowl, you know water, dry, and fowl. To each their own. Yes, exactly. I would never, ever disparage any opportunities people get out to hunt. Never. But, but one thing you're that asking dri- somebody their preference. Water. I like to hunt over water. And the thing that drives me nuts about why people prefer the dry land and the, the worst answer that I ever get personally is because it's just so easy you just drive into the field and you unload and i'm just like i get that part of it but it's not it's, no 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 but There's a lot of people do because, but a lot of people don't like walking in mud they don't like walking down a levee and waders and care you know and a lot of guys hunt public areas they're carrying their decoys in and out on a sled they're trying different tactics to get their whole arsenal in and out of there in water and but once you see a duck work over a water spread it's totally different than them false runs horizontal runs in a dry cornfield but why would you ever limit your options never should so if field hunting for this particular whatever situation you are in whether it's timing or whatever it is why would you deny yourself the opportunity to have a couple of layup lines available to you at any time watching a grind by the way scouting probably the most important aspect of duck hunting no question about it locations everything absolutely you got to be in an area where there's birds yes and then you got to be somewhere where you're either going to be on the x where the birds are going or 
it's somewhere in between the X and the roost to where you can get off them if you're hunting a dry field. If you're hunting water, you want to be somewhere in the vicinity that there's a lot of birds, like we were today. Yeah, that was fantastic. And then Mother Nature plays a big role into it. So let me ask you this along the lines before we get back into the science of shot. Um, Pass shooting, jump shooting. You just made a statement that you're never going to discourage somebody to get into the into waterfowling, the culture, the lifestyle, hunting, anything. Are you sending a wrong message? And this kind of does go along with the science of shot. Do you send a wrong message at all? And I'm going to ask you this as a personal question to both of you, because you both are hunters and avid and very passionate and fishermen, which I do need some walleye. Um, (laughs) The invitation stands. If if we're sending, I'm coming. If we're sending a message, that this shot will kill a goose or a duck at 70 or 80 yards. This shot will kill a turkey with a 20-gauge at 75 yards. And this shot out of this rifle is going to shoot at these ballistics and your windage and all this. And you can kill a coyote at 1,100 yards or an elk at a mile. Are we sending the wrong message of hunting? Or is it okay to each his own, even if that goose is 70 yards and your chances of harvest, that straight kill, are very minuscule? And we're saying, go ahead and try it. And we wing them, and we don't have a good dog, or we don't see where it falls, and we can't get a blind retrieved on, and we don't retrieve that bird. Is that the wrong message, and is that okay? Chad, I'd go back to kind of what I said earlier is understanding your capabilities. If you are practiced, and you can relate this to any act, any sport or any activity, um, whether you're trap shooting you know, or skeet, where you're handicapped, where you're moving forward or backward, depending on your skill sets. If you have practice and you've done your due diligence and you're confident at 70 yards, I'm not going to hold that against you. I'm, in fact, I might, I'm probably more likely going to congratulate you on making an ethical shot at 70 yards with a product designed to perform at 70 yards if your skill sets allow. If your skill sets aren't good enough to be shooting at that, at that distance, you, should, you have to make that decision for yourself. And I, hopefully, internally, I know my, I know my skill sets and I, my, my ranges, and I make those decisions when I shoot and when I don't shoot based on my knowledge of my skill sets. It's a great answer. It's a, it's a great, the way you process your thinking in, the, in your statement, I understand that and I appreciate that. I'm just simply saying, and my other part of the question is, is there a right way to hunt waterfowl? Is there a right way to do it? And is that it's ethically and legally. And if you want to take your kid on a creek in Virginia, and I learned this a long time ago, or I wrote an article for this old magazine called the Goose Hunters Journal. And I made a statement in there that said jump shooting is unethical. I didn't say it in those words, but it was along the lines of, I just don't like the idea of walking over, over a little hump and seeing birds in their natural position and jumping them or ground swatting them. And I had people call me and write me of like, who are you to tell me what my grandpa taught me in Virginia? Yeah. And who am I? And that's about- where I go. That, that set me straight that day of like, as long as you have your grandkid out there or your son or your wife and you're teaching or introducing somebody new to the sport or it's what you learn to do and it's what you still love to do and it gets you in the woods and you're eating that duck and successfully, you know, providing that bounty to your family and friends. I don't think that there's really a wrong way, but I will say before you answer Brian or uh, Alex is I just think your chances of killing a bird at 70 or 80 yards with wind and it blowing your shot and leads and everything that goes into shotgunning and let's say you do kill it. First of all, are you that hungry? 
Second of all, do you really enjoy watching it helicopter out of the air and fall do its, you know, and do you really not want to be more patient and let them hunt you up and see what ducks or coyotes or turkeys do when you're patient and let them be animals in natural environment and not kill them too early? And I say that because a lot of people get off on shooting a coyote at 800 yards. Well, coyotes' vitals are very little. I don't want to. I, I have ultimate respect for coyotes. I've said that on several episodes of our TV shows and the podcast. I don't want to just cripple a coyote. Nobody does. They're, they deserve just as much respect as a mallard does, or a mountain lion, or an elk. So what I'm saying is that is does that really get you off, or do you? Is it better to be patient and learn what can happen? If you don't just pull up and shoot him at 70 yards and that bird might be going over your public area and somebody that's a little bit more proficient, you on a call or a decoy spreader, their scouting might have a chance to kill him at five feet or 15 feet or 15 yards or whatever. It, but now you just took that chance away from somebody when you're shooting them at 70 or 80 yards. So I'll answer this question kind of more analytical. There is no textbook on anybody on. There is no textbook that tells you how you should take your own game. There's generalities that we all accept as outdoorsmen and sportsmen, but it's not up for me. It's not up to me to tell you how you should hunt. As long as you're doing it legally, that's um, that's where I'm going to go with it, because there is not a textbook. So when you're out in the marsh with your kids, and it happened this year on opening day in Minnesota, it did. You were out there, and it happened. It happens. I was with buddies, but buddies. I was whatever. with buddies. But you're out and there and you want your butt off. off and you're looking forward to it. Well, let's say, let's say they didn't cut you off, but they were out there and they got in their spot and you got in your spot. And you've been looking forward to that day for so many years. And you have a guy that's 150, 200, 300 yards from you. And you're watching because we saw it today. We saw it today where you're working birds and you know what's getting ready to happen. You're just sitting there going, oh, my God, we gotta, he's got to get down fast because I know it's getting... And so you're saying if you're if somebody's consistently shooting them at 60 or 70 yards, even though they're they might have hit one or they hit a target on the sporting clays range or the fight, whatever it is, you're saying oh you're not the, you're not in the blind going mother god what you're not I'm not saying you're yelling Jed, at them. Am I disappointed when people are shooting at 70 80 yards and they're pass shooting? Yes, but understand that I can't I can't telepathically tell them to stop. It's not, it, I can't do it. I'm, I don't want it to be conf- confrontational when we're out in the, in the blind. So with that being said, is it, is it the wrong way to shoot waterfowl at 70 or 80 yards when you can be, hone your skills, and if you're a good shotgunner, then you can become a good decoy scout? Let me ask you this question then. You've got a, you got a, you're sitting up on a 260-yard par four, and the guy next to me is going to hit a seven iron because he's going to play safe. What are we talking about here? Well, I just wanna, I'm just going to give No, some, is this uh, golf? I, yes, golf. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm just going to hit some. I know everything some, about golf. Go <laughs> yeah, ahead. Give me you, one. You don't know anything oh, about yeah, golf. Oh, yeah, Tiger Woods. So, uh, but the other guy is going to say, 260? I've got a three wood that I can hit 260. I'm okay. going for the green. And the other guy is sitting there going, he can't hit 260. He can't carry that 260. Again, I... I know we're off topic here, but no, you're not off topic. I, I would saying, simply say that. But, who, but so unless so you slice me, it into your I, buddy's head and so kill him, I know, I know. My I hit a seven iron about 160 yards. So I've now hit. Now I get a 200. I'm going to hit 160 off the tee box, and I'm going to leave 100 yards in, and that is my sweet spot for my wedge. Yeah, but you are still following so the ethics ex- of golf. And, but I'm saying for hunting, so hunting purposes, 
if that guy knows that he has practiced, he has put in his time, we all know sports or any type of activity 10,000 times, you become, you repeat it, you practice 10,000 times, you're likely going to be a professional. I would love somebody to shoot <laughs> TSS at 40 plus dollars a box, you know, 10,000 times, right? Be good for business for us. Um, but as long as they have practiced and they know that they can make an ethical kill on that shot, on that bird, I don't have a problem with it. Is it kosher if you're going to take that 160-yard shot on the goal? Okay, etiquette. But I'm going to etiquette. play my own game. But etiquette-wise, you're playing your own game, but there's no life at stake, and I'm not going to yell in your backswing. And when we're at the bowling alley and I'm beating you 217 to 103, I'm not going to get up and, and start walking towards the pins while you're walking towards the pins. I'm going to look to the right, and I'm going to, it, I, my etiquette's going to tell me that you were there first and you're going because you're to my right. In hunting, you're dealing with a live animal that could, that could very easily be wounded and live a very bad death of a red fox or a coyote or an eagle or a hawk coming raccoon. to get him. Raccoon, whatever. After you wound him. And not to mention the pain he's in. Uh, the, the golf, I get that part of it. But now we're, we're talking about... I'm talking, I guess, an analogy I was making, Chad, is skill sets. Know your skill sets. If you can't, if you know you can't make the shot, I would say with, that Tom you, Knapp couldn't consistently kill ducks at seventy or eighty yards. God rest. I his saw soul. Tom Knapp make a shot on a pheasant. A shot. Oh, he probably made way more that at fifty yards with a thirty-five mile crosswind with a twenty gauge, and he killed it out at probably at 35, 40 yards, almost fifty yards. There's no way in God's green earth I would ever make that shot or even take it because. I don't have the skills for us. There's, skill only, for there's that. only a couple Tom Knapps. Tom Knapp could make that shot. He took it and he killed it, and uh, it was phenomenal. Again, know your skill sets. I think okay. we're, we've probably beat this topic Know to your death. skill set. We will end that at that. Know your product that you're shooting also. If you're shooting a, a, a brand or Alex, a, wait, let a Alex weigh in this. He's a young guy. He's, he's your millennial. I okay. Think, I think I agree. You're 26 years old? Yep, 26. So yep. how do you feel? Are you, would you stand up, if I said get behind the person that you agree with more, who would you stand behind right now? Myself or Brian and our, in my, our feelings on ethics of, or etiquette of waterfowl hunting? Well, I'd have to agree with Brian. I, I, I think it's, it's, you know, it's fun to call them all in, but at the end of the day, if you think you can get away with that shot and you train yourself to make that shot, why not take it? I understand that, and I'm not. Again, there's no right answer. That's I, right. There's no textbook that says this that, is right. This is wrong. I don't think you can train on that shot. You could go the sporting clay range or any any whatever it is. You can Five go stand. You can go and do that a hundred times, but that has nothing to do with what happens and what the feelings that go over your body when you're in that duck blind and those birds start flying, and there's dogs and your buddies and there's all that action going on. Nothing can train you for that. You can't consistently practice that shot. On the range, because when you get out there and the wind's blowing, it's cold, and you got your waders on, your coffee, and your hands are cold, and it's not July when you're out in the sporting clays range, you can't mimic that. You can't emulate that. So my point would just be, like, if that shot's coming over, and you're going to pull up on a bunch of speckle bellies, you better know in your head that you are not going to, that you are not going to cripple one of them. Yeah. Because I don't you think... You want to respect the game. Not you that cripples don't happen. They're going to happen. But I would much rather say, oh, I crippled that goose, back flapping over the decoys because I shot bad. I hit him back. My dog still has a chance to retrieve him or I had a chance to get a second shot that was lethal on a double tap or something that, that put him out. Over here, he's going to sell off and you're going to go, oh, shit, what I just do? Now, it happens. Well, I've done Chad, it. you saw me today. It ate me apart that that teal got away. 
it ate, it eats me apart. It eats me. I but hit he wasn't I hit at him. sixty yards. No, but I hit him. I hit him back. So I know I probably dropped a you know a leg on him, and um, that eats that eats me apart. That eats me apart. I get it. I understand. I that's where I'm simply going with this is that I don't want people to take the takeaway of this is not they're trying to teach me how to hunt. I'm just saying that I've been that guy. Go 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 rip them. And I'm not saying that when you're your age, maybe your age or a little younger. It's limits, 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 limits. Take a picture. Take a pile pick, and then it's well maybe I can get them a little closer. And then it's well let's get a picture of them flying instead of killing them all. And then it's wait a minute. We got four today, and we still had a blast. We learned something from it. The takeaway is this, is that there is, a, there is a way to become more proficient in everything. You're not going to fill your straps or have a successful waterfowl career, in my opinion, of shooting them at 60, 70, 80 yards. No, I just I, don't think so. And I, I, would th- I would say that, and again, I'm speaking in generalities, I would say that 95%, maybe probably higher, don't take a 60 or 70-yard shot on a daily basis. I wouldn't argue that. I wouldn't argue that. And I would say that it's more infrequent that actually that somebody would even pull up at 60 or 70 yards. Okay, so with that being said, Alex, you first. What makes Black Cloud, this box right here, we're not talking TSS, we are talking Black Cloud, Federal Premium Steel Black Cloud. What makes this the best product on the market? Give, don't give me a sales pitch. Give me the facts of when I go into my retailer and I have all those options because there's, there's options. Mm-hmm. What makes Black Cloud? We're not talking tungsten. We're talking Black Cloud right here. Tell me, we've, we've went over the wad. Let's move into powder burn and shot. What is, what is going on there and, and, that makes this so lethal? Sure. So, uh, so when we developed the new flight control flex wad, we had to... Uh, we wanted to address the dirty burn powder that you were talking about uh, earlier. So to do that, we uh, we kind of had the lab work on it. And we developed a new powder that uh, burns more efficiently at the velocities that we're pushing. And uh, when it comes to the shot, well, the shot that sets us apart is our flight stopper shot. I'm sure you're aware of that. Um, that flight stopper shot with that Saturn band, it just has that cutting. Let's, let's say what we're talking about now. Saturn is the planet that has the the band around it looks like just a circle around a a, a globe a rig around it yep a rig around it so that that is what okay so you got a saturn based shot called flight stopper yep okay so we got we got two shots in here we have the round shot and then we have the saturn shot so it's a 40 percent saturn shot 60 percent uh spherical shot you could say that a premium steel premium steel so this shot that's shaped like saturn is called flight stopper so it goes into the bird first does it go in the bird first? Or does it all enter the bird at the same time? I'm trying to picture, as it, I, I've shot the jail targets with you guys. Yep. These, uh, these Saturn-based things are created to make womb channels, like a broad-headed on an archery shot, to where it goes in, creates a womb channel, allowing the steel to pass through more efficiently. Is that fair to say, or am I off? So I would say it comes down, it's like a, it's a shot string, okay? So when you shoot your, you know, your shot, it comes out. The shot that's leading is going to obviously hit the bird first, so... The, the flight stopper is going to come in most likely afterwards since it's behind the, the premium shot and then create that wound, killing wound channel. So it's, it's lethality. And, and again, I'm, I'm not the engineer, but I do know that the, they work together to optimize the pattern. So the premium steel along with the flight stopper steel work together for an optimized pattern. 
So when that, bird, when that shot string hits the bird, the wound channels created by the Saturn ring or flight stopper steel pellet designed to have more lethality and then you've got your premium steel to fill out the pattern. I was just thinking of this and I don't even know if I know the answer to this. How do you get muzzle velocity? How do you measure that? How does a scientist or a nerd like you that is so well-versed in this, how can I trust you that when I pick up this box or some federal premium, my, my, my 16-year-old nephew just killed an awesome Nevada Rocky Mountain bull elk with 300-wind short mag. When I get that box and I read it, 1,450 feet per second, is that what FPS stands for? Yep. How do you get that? Can some, do you know the answer to that? I yeah. know you, how, do you, how do you measure that? So every day when we build this ammo, we, when we you know, set up the loader to make this product, we have to test the pressure and the velocity of the product. And when we test the, the, the velocity of the product, we're using a screen system. So it's in a fixture, and you fire it through your barrel, your P&V barrel, we call it, and then it goes through and it captures the, the time it takes to pass a certain distance. So they're using a, chrono, a, a chronograph. Yeah, it's basically a chrono. A chrono. A chronograph. So it, is, it, is it 100% legit? Is it 100% like accurate when, that, when, you, when I say 1,450 feet, that means that when it comes out of the end of my barrel, when it leaves that choke tube, it is traveling at a rate at that time in, 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 at that time in history, it's traveling 1,450 feet per second. For Jeff. how long? Chad, we have standards that say federal premium on the box. If we say 1450, it's 1450. Now, when you say 1450, 1450 feet per second. Now, how does that, if I'm a duck hunter, no goose, I'm a duck hunter and I am a, I'm a duck hunter that hunts here. Habitat, the holes are 50 yards wide. Ducks are working down vertically into water holes. There's not a lot of dry land hunting around this part of California. What am I looking for in that part of the shot shell? What, what, is the, what, what makes me a better hunter? Do I want faster than 1450? Do I want 1200 feet a second? What is that telling me as a duck hunter where I go, okay, that's the one I want because it's 1450? Is that what I look at when I pick up this box? Is how fast it's traveling out of the muzzle? So there's a lot of things you have to look at. You have to look at the payload, uh, the velocity, uh, the shell, the, you know, the gauge itself. So for like a small youth hunter, you're going to want to shoot, you know, a smaller gauge, 20 gauge, 28 gauge, um, and then up to 12 gauge, depending on who you are. Um, and then for length, well, that just depends on the chamber size, what your gun's capable of using. Then uh, velocity. So faster the velocity, the more recoil your gun's going to have. So, oh, wait, say that again? So is this fast? It's fairly fast. So we also have a high-velocity black cloud load as well. It's 1635. 1,635 feet per second. Where would I want to use that at? What kind of hunting am I going to be doing where I would want to be, where that's going to be the proficient load for me? Well, it's just if you want to have shorter lead times, basically. Wow. So you're saying that... On a teal hunt in September, I want to shoot 1,600 feet a second because they're traveling so fast and I might not be getting out in front of them enough to where it's going to catch up with those fast flyers that much quicker? Is that, is that safe to say? Yeah. Yep. That makes total sense then. So 1,450 feet a second, does it matter, Brian Kelvington, with your knowledge of ammo, 
if I'm shooting consistent mallards over a decoy spread that aren't really flying left to right, right to left, or over my head straight across, you know, straight, meaning that there's not much of a lead when a bird's hovering over your decoys. You just kind of cover them up. Does that number matter in that instance? Or is it going to kill them dead or faster if, dead or faster, if it's 1450? Uh, I was, you're getting to the bird faster. So 1450, you're getting to that bird faster. You're, so he has obviously less chance to flare on you. Does it hit harder when it's going faster? Yes. So, so that's a big yes. part of it, right? So it's lethality. The lethality is there, Absolutely. like what you said before. So what, what is the best shot then, feet per second wise and velocity? Is there something that's old, autumn, optimum for a, for a duck hunter, for a goose hunter? Is there a reason why you guys have it at 1450? Did you guys find that at that feet per second out of the muzzle, we're going to get the performance that a duck hunter is going to need if he's consistently shooting them at 20, 30, 40 yards? I don't know the exact reasoning behind it. I just know, you know, you need enough power to put that bird down lethally. So the power is provided by the feet per second. And that feet per second is based on how hot the powder is burning. Is that safe to say? So to get a, a faster velocity, you need to use a slower powder because, you know, there's a lot of math and science behind it, but I don't know if we want to get into that well i love getting into it because now you just said something that blew my mind again you're saying that you want your powder to burn slower to make your shot string go faster so the powder is burning and it's getting hotter because it's burning slower like a slow burning fire is the ultimate because it gets hotter it keeps you warmer it stays stoked longer you're saying that that is that kind of the same thing if you apply it to a campfire situation so when it comes to like a payload like this so you got a slower burning powder and so you have, you have to consider pressure, okay? So if you have a fast powder and you're trying to put this load out there and you're going to have higher pressures if you have a fast powder. So you need a slower powder just to get that faster velocity without exceeding the pressure in maximum pressure. So the moral of the story is this. You guys take all the guesswork out because you're the brains behind what we're trying to what we're trying to establish here is that there's no real there's no real reason for a hunter like me that I just want birds to die when I shoot at them with less cripples. I, I want to tell the customer out there, the end consumer, that Federal is successfully and consistently consistently studying this and getting the the testing because your factory has the ability to test. You guys have some of the, I've been privy to some information, not just through you guys, but through other people in the industry that you guys have some equipment that not a lot of manufacturers have. And you're able to get this kind of information and put it on this box in confidence to where you take the guesswork out of it for a guy like me going into the store and buying it. That's where I'm trying to go with this conversation is I don't know if I could sit down and even though I just listened to you explain feet per second and a slower powder is better and the faster it goes, it's going to hit your shoulder harder. I don't know if I could explain that. And I don't want to have to be able to explain that. I want to be able to load my Benelli and pull the trigger and get results with less cripples. I don't like, I like to see my dog retrieve a diving duck once in a while, but I also understand what can happen with a diving duck. One a mallard can wrap himself in reeds and, and die a slow death because they got a lot of pride and they'll choke themselves out under the water. Two, your dog can be out there 
not just sticking his head underwater or trying to work that cripple and maybe get him after 10 minutes. You are lengthening the hunt. You're ruining other flocks that are trying to come in. I want something that's boom, dead, dog, back, in the blind, on the strap, ready for the next flock. Outfitters will tell you the same thing. Guides will tell you the same thing. Nobody wants to be out. And, and Brad Arrington, our dog trainer at Mossy Pond, he trains dogs to be efficient. He trains dogs to be as efficient as Black Cloud. Out, in, not messing up a flock. I hate that. I hate myself when we kill six birds in the decoys, Kelvington, and I go, get back in here. There's more coming. That's part of the hunt. Let that dog pick up those birds and bring them back. And now we might have missed one flock, but because that dog's so proficient and they're all dead and there's not a long blind because we sailed one, now the, the whole hunt is more proficient because the animal performed and the dog's performing. I think you have to, that's, you know, I, I like to say about our team, our overall team, right? That's what our whole goal is. Our end goal is, is to provide the consumer the best product with all of the attributes necessary for a clean, ethical, quick kill. Boom. And it's guys like Alex, um, Dan Compton, Rick Stokel, Adam Eric. Mosier, Eric Carlson. They do the hard work. They're the ones that do all the work. Because a monkey could sell this stuff. <laughs> it, it could. That goes out to all your sales force because you guys are lucky to be no, able to We have to a be great able, sales force. Have, that, you have an awesome able, sales force. That's able to go out and convince buyers to say, you should give us more shelf space because of all the science, engineering, thought. Fair to say. Put in these I wasn't these trying to say that you don't have good salesmen. I was saying that they are very lucky to have a product to where you could go in with the confidence of this team that exactly. built this product. I, I think it's a combination of excellence on both sides, both sales all and, and absolutely, marketing. Absolutely. And what you do and what we're Brian all, Anderson does. Yep, we're all, what does Jason Nash do? Jason oversees the over all of the marketing for the ammunition team now. So he would kind of be the Point Dexter, the Lewis, or the Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you laugh. What part would Jason Nash play? God, I love him. Every time I call him, he goes, he picks up, he goes, er, er, er. <laughs> he does the nerd laugh. That's one of my favorite people ever. Maybe he's John Goodman's character because of uh, his leadership skills. Oh, I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know about that. I didn't like the way they treated the, the nerds and threw them father, all out of their. In the name of my God, I didn't like the way they threw the nerds out of their out of their fraternity home and made them go live in the basketball gym. <laughs> anyway, we're getting off. You don't like again. the chili splat? Oh yeah, God, it was funny. I think that you're. I think right. it's going to be a good year, Gilbert. <laughs> Hey, I got the old cruise control set at 35. I don't think that I'm not. I, you guys have an amazing team. You have an amazing product. You have amazing shelf space. You have amazing dealer support. The science, though, behind this product is what starts it all. Because if if somebody can pull the wool over your eyes with fancy packaging and a cool name like Black Cloud and Phil Robertson, the Duck Commander, at one time, and then the Foul Life. If, if it didn't perform, all of us would look like idiots. So that's the whole thing is that because of what you do. Because everybody would just call it window dressing, right? Yes. Now it's just, it's just one of them deals where, man, anybody could. Remember Tommy Boy? You could stick your head up. up. <laughs> but, you can, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for I'd it. Take the, I'd rather take Federal's word for it that this is what I need. And there's a lot of science behind it, just like McCallahan's brake pads. <laughs> God, that was a good freaking reference right there. So you mean Callahan? Oh my God! You said McCallahan. Wow. That's a restaurant. That's a steakhouse. I oh think. my goodness, Chad! Nike. Holy Nikes! You're the one with the candy coated shell. Shut up, Richard. <laughs> Get yourself housekeeping. <laughs> you play for the Yankees. Um, you want to fluff my pillow? 
Which little rascal are you, Richard? So, TSS is Black Cloud. Wait a minute. I want to make sure I have this right. Black Cloud Federal TSS. Premium Black Cloud. What does TSS stand for? Tungsten Super Shot. Okay. So, is the Super Shot in reference to just the tungsten part of this load, or is it the combination? And what is the combination in TSS? So, like, what does TSS, what does Super Shot mean? Yes. So, so tungsten's been used by hand loaders for... You know, that's the main reason why we started putting our turkey loads. Hand loaders were putting it in turkey loads to get that dense shot, pure tungsten. Um, the reason, uh, I don't know the exact reason why it's called super shot. You, you know, What is the combination of shot in TSS? Is it, is, does it still have flight control? It does. Flight stopper, I'm sorry. It does. Flight stopper, yes. So, so it's 60% uh, tungsten and then 40% flight stopper shot. 60% tungsten, which is the increase in retail price. Correct. Because the material of tungsten is expensive. It's really very, expensive. Very We're expensive. telling the consumer that your knockdown power, power, your lethality, is higher because of the weight of the tungsten and the performance of these two mixed together. Safe to say? Yeah. So uh, it comes down to the density of the shot. So the, the shot is 18 grams per cc, roughly mm, two and a half times the density of steel. Uh, 50% denser than lead. Um, so since it's so dense, you can go smaller pellets and carry the you know, equal amount of energy as a larger pellet of steel or lead. I will say this. A lot of what I do on the microphone is devil's advocate because I want to try to get information out to people that I might, some of the answers I know, some I might not, some I might need clarification. But in reality or in honesty, I've never seen turkeys and I've never seen geese and I've never seen ducks die the way they do with Federal Premium Black Cloud TSS. There's something different about why. I don't know how many high fives I gave you guys today, but I wasn't doing that for camera because I didn't even want to take my hands out of my pocket because it's raining so freaking much. But the way that these birds were dying, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, they were getting center-punched and dead, and Bruno was like, whoa, this is easy, thank God. But, you know, you just, they were getting center-punched so hard. Did you guys, do you notice that, or is it just me? Did you notice how hard those birds were getting hit? Yeah, they folded, like, instantly. Instantly. Instantly, yeah. The, instantly. The, Ask Rocky tonight when he gets here. You know who Rocky is? Remember him today? We were yeah. saying a Rocco, and a Dominicana. Get the cannelloni out of the decoys. <laughs> we need hey, to, there's a duck there's ducks in. coming over the top of us. Ask him about our spec hunt two weeks ago to the date, pretty much. And we were shooting. I brought out some of my special TSS, and only me and Rocky had it over there. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. And, I'm, and people saw the boxes after the hunt, and we got you know what up and down after. But I have videos on my phone and the video that we got that we got to capture the content for the episode. It's amazing to see what was happening to these geese. I'm talking eight in eight dead, no cripples laying there. And the only movement was the wind blowing the freaking wing tips or the wing feathers, the flight feathers when they were laying there and their wing got stuck in the freaking rice. We were hunting dry rice, which I just heard a rumor that we might be on a spec hunt tomorrow. And there's 8,000, 8,000 on the ground. We might. I'm just, key, I just, I just, Rocky always comes through. And just so you guys know what kind of guy he is, he's so stressed. Of, he's always, he's so loyal and passionate and, and, and a master and a servant to people because he's a huge philanthropist. He is so about kids and women and, and getting new people introduced to our lifestyle. He has a lot of haters in the area to the point to where people can't figure out how he does what he does. And I don't mean people that aren't his friends. I mean people that are just like, 
we want to be doing that, but they can't because his heart's so big. So when he got here tonight after the hunt, he's just like, oh, I got to go home and take a hot shower. I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, I'm just stressed as uh, federal's here. I, this is just, it just kills me because we've been, I, we, we, we've had such two good weeks in a row and we've had this hunt planned for six months and now they're here and, and I don't want them to think that, and I'm like, Brocky, they killed 13 or 12 or 13 ducks today. They killed, and even though it did take a while yesterday, you guys ended up killing 12 ducks yesterday. You can only kill 14 between the two of you. Yeah. You're killing Widgeon and Sprig, killed a couple Hollywoods, which are kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? He's that guy that's just like, man, I want to perform. So when you see him tonight, just go up to him and go, dude, listen, this has been amazing. Because, like, he got us in this lodge tonight because he wanted you guys to have, he got us in that place today, that other duck club. He got us in there because he wanted you guys to experience this. Now, did, was it a perfect bluebird sky with a great wind and mallards working in your dish? No, but it was still a duck hunt, right? Absolutely. And that's what people have to understand. We're very fortunate in this, in this industry to live out not only our, our passions, but it's also our, our job, right? So we're mixing. My wife always says, you have the, you're the luckiest guy on the earth. You mix your passions with your work. And when we come to locations like this and people get to roll out the red carpet for us, um, we're so appreciative of that. And they don't understand that. I, I want them to understand that we're so appreciative of it. But you, we're not on a script today. This isn't broadcast news where the script is all written, right? We have to adapt and we have to enjoy what we're, we're able to do because we might not ever get a chance to come back out here to do this again. Exactly. Right. So what people are sharing with us, their, their slice of heaven, I always say it because I have a little cabin in north central Minnesota and it's nothing fancy, but it's my little slice of heaven. It's awesome. And so when folks like Rocky share their little slice of heaven with us, I'm like a sponge. I want to learn as much as possible. And I think, Alex, you're the same way. I mean, Yeah, I'm blessed to be here and just isn't it be cool? here with the team and Rock has treated us very well. And on that note, what, what I said, I made a remark probably four years ago about like, I used to drive across the country to a baseball tournament or whatever. We'd be in Sydney, Nebraska on I-80 and it'd be maybe a hunt or whatever. And you'd see those bronze elk of Cabela's and you'd be like, Oh my God, we're at Cabela's. It's like Disneyland for a duck hunter or for a hunter. Right. And then they started popping up everywhere. And then the catalog you used to get the catalog in the mailbox and you'd be like, can't wait to read every page. I'm going to pick out, I'm going to take sticky notes and my mom's going to get my Christmas list. And then I got to the point to where it's like, if I see one more retail store, if I see one more pile of gear, if I get another box delivered to my house, I'm going to flip out because I was like, and then I started, I checked myself. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Are you freaking kidding me, dude? You can't, be, you can't become callous to your job and your passion. Exactly. Because if you do that, then it becomes a job. And, it's and not- that's what I saw today again is being with guys. You guys aren't 15. You're 26 and you're you're 39. <laughs> <laughs> you're in your 50s. I'm in my 50s. And you were a kid in a I freaking like- candy store today. Here they come. They're screaming in. Teal on the left. Widget on the right. Sprint. Pintail over top. And I was like, God oh, damn it, man. I need to figure out why I don't get that excited anymore about seeing Sprig over the top. And I'm sitting there going... Who the frick are you to lose the enthusiasm of a kid in a candy store, a kid on Christmas Eve, begging your mom and dad to open one present before Santa comes down the chimney and eats your shitty cookies? Why are you not acting like that anymore? And I was like, I'm going to start acting like that again. I'm gonna, I got to figure out where my and I lo- don't get me wrong. When I'm in the timber of Arkansas and or if it was bluebird skies a day and we were smacking them and we were all like, ah, oh! but then I'm like, wait a minute, this hunt sucks. And then I see the way you guys are acting. I'm like. I'm a prima donna piece of work right now. I, I need to check myself at the door right now because you get callous to it of like, wait a minute. 
we're, we're we don't deserve overcast and rain when we're in the Butte Sink, and that's the wrong way to think. But your familiarity with the area, so you have a different set of expectations, right? We're we're a sponge out there soaking everything in. We've got ducks coming from every direction. Some are working, some aren't. But the fact is, is that with every new, say, let's say, scene, I learned something new today. Um, especially when those cinnamon teal came in. Why we didn't shoot, I have no idea. I was in the, I was in the, I was in the back of you, and I was like... I think it was Chad. My dad's in heaven, and I was like, please, Pops, please let those cinnamon teal turn around, and please give Mr. Kelvington a shot. If he kills a cinnamon... Because you got your sprig today, which... You smoked him, but he wasn't a mounter. But you're going to be welcome back. You can come out here anytime. Rocky's got Sprig. There's Sprig here. See that one standing on the table? I hate when yeah, Jackson we looked, do it. Both Alex and I came in and said, we looked at that mount right over like, oh, stud. I hate when taxidermists do that to me. Out. When taxidermists do that to me and they make a mount that's just like exemplifies the beauty of something, I'm just like, now I got to get a mount like that and I got to go and spend more money on another hunt and more Sprig decoys. But that's that, that whole idea of what you did on those teal, and I was like, please let them turn around. I want them to get a cinnamon teal. And I'm sitting there going, I could give a flying rat's ass if I ever shoot it. And it was the same attitude I had five, six years ago when you wanted to shoot that wood duck. And I'm like, why am I so callous? Is it because I, because I, get, I, I get accused of, you get to hunt all the best places in the world, which it takes a lot of work to get the invites I don't to do think that. I understand. I don't, and let's, let's talk about that for a second too, Chad, because I want to acknowledge the work that you put in to make sure that we have the opportunities to do this. And I don't think people understand it because I was in your position at one time. You know that. Um, the amount of legwork that it takes to do, um, to put together a television show. It's not showing up with your cameras and say, roll them. It happens six, eight, nine, twelve, year and a half in advance. Um, the relationship building you have to do, the trust you have to um, develop with that outfitter. And then you have to deliver a product because they're going to give you their product, and in return, you have to deliver a product. Yep. So the amount of organization thought that that producers on outdoors television don't get enough credit for, because it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, and if it did, everybody would do it. But there's there's that's the barrier to it. You cannot. There isn't somebody who just can't show up with a uh, a remote can a little uh, iPhone mark, now. the iPhone yeah. now. And I just you don't, can't do it. You, you, they call the same it, you know, they call it YouTube. Yeah. But if you're going to go on broadcast television and put a product like you guys do on the on the um, boob tube every um, every week, the amount of effort, time, energy, resources um, that you put in to get it done to deliver entertainment, and let's let's also talk about this because you you and I find this fascinating. Um, it is entertainment. We all a lot of people go to work. They bust their ass for 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And on the weekend or a weeknight, they come home and they want to be entertained. That's what, that's what they, want. they want to learn a little bit. They might learn about the area we're hunting, this um, Butte Sink, which I, I incorrectly call it basin today because I thought it was, well, it's just a basin, right? It's kind of a basin. But, uh, but I learned. So you're imparting, you're giving folks an opportunity to learn. And they're entertaining so that they can take 30 minutes out of their life and say, man, that's aspirational. I would love to do that someday. And you're giving them the idea. You're giving them, you're the inspiration for them to say, you know what? I might not be able to do the, the Butte Sink, but I can certainly go out to my back 40 and go live, and find that, fo- passion and go live that foul life there yeah. at, on your individual location. 
And I think that's what the benefit of producers, outdoor writers, social media content generators, they give us an opportunity to enjoy our passions and our lifestyles um, and, and turn out the noise for a half hour or however long the episode is. You turn, that, you turn out the rest of the world's noise and you get to sit, you sit back and you get entertained and educated at the same time. And that's the passion that I know I see in you every single time that we're together. Um, and I think it, it goes unnoticed. And I think people think your job is too easy and they're completely 100%, 1,000% wrong. Well, I appreciate you saying that it means a lot. And I, and you know, in the one comment you made in there about the resource is like Rocky doesn't need Chad building or clay building or the foul life, or he can buy as much federal as he wants. Let's just be honest, but he, he doesn't need me to book him another hunt ever, ever, but his passion for the project and his passion for what we do and his love of me and my brother and our family. My, he's, he's eating dinner at my mom's house. I've eaten dinner at his mom's house. That resource is not just us going, having an outfitter call us and go, hey, we want to be put on the map. We want to sell some hunts. Because Rocky has never once said, I need a discount on product. I need you to send me free ammo. I just, I, of course I give because he gives. But he's that guy that's just like, he, look to your left right now. What you're looking at right now is the president of California Waterfowl, the director of Fran of of marketing and um, membership of water of California Waterfowl. You're looking at Rock Merlot, who is quite arguably the number one waterfowl outfitter in the state of California, an unbelievable farmer for almonds and walnuts, and he owns a big-time farming management company, and he is the chairman of the board of the California Waterfowl. Then you have Mandy Augusta right there, who's a 24-year-old girl who had never hunted before she met Rocky in the California Waterfowl Association, and now she's literally addicted. I'm talking like in the Sacramento Delta on a boat every weekend. Friday night, she's sleeping on a boat ramp to get a spot to go out and hunt ducks and kill a, uh, maybe one diver, maybe three widgeon. She's eating up. And I'm just like, damn. Then you look over there and you got duck club owners that are worth millions that have had unbelievable commercial businesses that, that invite us into their lodges like this. And then you have TV producers, you have photographers, you have two chefs that, you know, pitmasters that came up here from Traeger, one of our valued partners, and said, hey, we want to be able to do this and in, in, in cook meals and everything. What I'm, my point is, is that look at all the different walks of life that we get to mix with because of passion and, and love. And aggregate because of the passion. Aggregate because of the passion. And now we get to sit here and have a cold beer and a Wagyu steak, Wagyu beef steak that we had a company that rely, not relies on us, but entrusts in us, Snake River Farms, they go... Take our beef. We love what you guys do. We believe in the lifestyle. We believe in the culture. We want you to match our beefs and our porks with your wild game, and let's have some really nice dinners. It's unbelievable. And then you have all of these different personalities that get to coincide for, it might just be for five hours. And then when you guys get back to Minnesota tomorrow, and I get back to Nevada, and Rocky's back in his house, and he's probably going, <laughs> okay. I take a big, deep breath. <laughs> he's in a hot tub with his feet up and his pinky ring on and big cigar. <laughs> he's just like ordering a hit on me. Um, like, I'm going to need you. <laughs> with a big bowl of cannelloni. <laughs> Meat sauce all down his freaking goatee on his chest there. But my point is, is that I, we just started this part of the conversation of like, you start to take shit for granted, man. I'm just like, man, I got to get back in love with Cabela's. I got to get back in love with, with the, the product because it's this, anybody would, if you're a duck hunter, 
and maybe you don't want to do what I do. And I, people always are, you know, they're, they're first one to judge and they're the first one to critique with the way people can get their, you know, their, their voice out there these days. I, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. People are like, well, you wanted to be a professional baseball player. I know I did, but now I hunt with Wade Boggs and George Brett and all these. And then I get to hunt with the best MMA fighters and country music musicians and doctors. And not to mention my favorites are our armed forces. I've hunted with freaking our director of terrorism, counterterrorism, Admiral Joe McGuire. He's been in my duck blind twice. I say my just because he came there on account of us, but it was another person's property. But I've hunted with four-star generals and admirals and, and, and guys that are Delta Force and Green Berets and Navy SEAL Team 6 that have taken bullets for our freedoms. And you're telling me that duck hunting and, and hunting in the woods is not therapeutic and the best, absolute, baddest-ass, coolest lifestyle you could live? And I know you made a golf reference before, but there is no better lifestyle in the world than to be in the woods or the duck blind or the marsh or the mountains and the therapy that it provides and the mills and the, and the bounty that it provides. And then when you sit back and you go, I scouted, I honed my skills as a hunter, a shot, a caller, a decoy, a dog trainer, a dog handler, a boat driver, da-da-da-da-da, safety first, getting new people involved, philanthropy, everything that goes into conservation, because hunters are the ultimate conservationists, then it all comes together and you got that strap and you're walking out and you're looking at your buddy and you're going, that's why we did it, because now it all comes together as like, we got Black Cloud as a partner because we do things right, and we want to be that, for that voice of, hey, we're not just out there to pull the trigger and kill. You want to kill something, you could find a way to kill it. We're doing it based on the culture and the lifestyle. Is like, this is Rocky. Rocky. We're, we're doing it based on the love of, of we're just bragging about you. Um, if, would you, I'm asking an honest question. Would Alex be invited back here to try to get a mountable bull spring? Yeah. I huh? do that today. Yeah. Can Alex come today. whenever he wants? Can Alex come whenever he wants? Whenever he wants. He can? Yeah. So we were bragging on you, Rocky, just for a second. There's John Carlson. He's the president of California Waterfowl. Hey, Mr. John. Um, we were bragging on you, and we just wanted to say thank you for what you've done the last three days. Because Brian was I was, trying to, I was trying to have a conversation, and then Brian took over, and he was, like, so, like, really nice in what he said. He's like, he gets it because he's dealt with this before, but us being here tonight where we were today where we were for lunch today everything that came together we, we truly appreciate it so thank you rocky really appreciate that so and so he wants he's a black rocky he's got it all so you 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 really do look at it and you're just like i don't want to lose because i asked rocky today and we're going to end this by this and i'll let you guys have closing statements thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the foul life we're going to play a song on our way out called my foul life written by yours truly performed by the rock band 2am logic um tom you're going to hit that button in a second but i asked rocky today no i take that back i asked him yesterday when we were out setting that i was getting a jerk string ready yesterday and i looked at rocky and i went okay i'm 45 rocky's 52 he's seven years older than me in seven years, I want to be doing what he's doing right now. I want to be kicking water. I want to be blowing duck call. I want to have my family out here with me and all my friends. I looked at him. I said, do you, do you really want to be here right now? He goes, what do you mean? I said, do you love this? He goes, more than I did when I was 20. And I was like, what? He goes, dude, you got to understand. This is the life. He goes, look at us right now. We're in the Butte Basin, the Butte Sink of California. We are setting a decoy spread on a freaking Tuesday to hunt on a Wednesday. I love this. This is what I, he goes, I farm, I do all this other stuff. I got all my banquets and philanthropy, my family. He goes, but dude, 
this 105 days is life to me. He loves it. He lives this every day. And I was just like, I don't want to lose that. And sometimes I find myself like, man, I got, I'm losing my passion sometimes because it's so available all the time. And I got to get back to that point to where it's not something to be taken for granted. This lifestyle is that special. And we're blessed to be American hunters. Yeah, I'm, I'm blessed to be here with you, Chad. It's been a, it's a great week so far, and I'm very excited to see what tomorrow has in store for us. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm hoping that when we get off these microphones, Rocky goes, look, we're, we're going to hunt these geese. He's probably going to save it for a wind because with specs, you want wind. Yeah. But we'll beg him. Let's, <laughs> what do you think, a pallet of ammo? <laughs> <laughs> Let me call Jim Bruno and see if we can arrange hey, that. Bruno. Right? Hey, hey, Bruno. This is for Rocco. Hey, this is for Rocco. Oh, that could hey, be, his dog's go. name is Bruno. Oh, that, that, and Jim oh, Bruno. Wow. Meet my friend. Hey, the meet and amici to Rocco Merlot. Come stai, meet an amico. I speak a little Italian over there. I could get my brother Clay. He speaks it fluently. We can maybe put this together. You want to do a little ammo trade in a cornfield, Joe Pesci with a baseball bat? <laughs> On the Vegas <laughs> desert. Was that Casino? That was Casino. Or was that Goodfellas? No, that, that was, was Casino. casino. God, that was, was Casino. Awesome. I heard the Irishman's good. It's got Pesci, De Niro, which, whatever, De Niro, but Pacino, and it's directed by Martin Scorsese. Have you guys seen oh, it yet? Oh, wow. I have not. It's, but I will three be watching. three and a half hours it. long, Ooh. and they have got guys and women study groups or whatever that have gone and di- dissected the movie because it's so long and people are watching Netflix, you know, but they get home late at night and they're like, I can't get through with three. So they have come up with this science of the Irishman, I guess, of what time frame you want to stop it if you're going to choose to watch it in multiple wow. segments thinking or for multiple lines. They're thinking Artificial for intelligence for yes. your Netflix They're feeling. like, stop it right Sweet. here and you're going to be able to pick right back up where you Sweet. left off. AI for Netflix yes. feeling. I'm in. You were saying 150 worldwide subscribers at 11... 150 million. 150 million worldwide subscribers at 11.99 a month each. One dollar a month each would be 150 million dollars a they, month. But you know, understand too. We're They're way off topic, though. But remember, they have to they have to generate content for you and I to come back. At, you know, frequently. To keep right? coming back, and that's why they're so, getting Dave yeah, Chappelle and Chris yeah. Rock and Sam. Okay, go ahead, Brian. No, I was just going to say, Chad. This is obviously anytime I get a chance to spend time with you in the field or at a show or just at my house, going to watch a wrestling tournament or a baseball I, game or a baseball game or a Zach Brown concert or. A, Anytime we're together, um, I feel a, a sense of relaxation because I know that we can act like brothers together. We can rib each other, um, and you think you always get me, but you don't. You no. just you should just know that. I just mess around with you. But um, it's just the whole package of being here in California. It's a new experience for me. Um, hunted very hunted in Oregon for turkeys once, but really. Other than a, a California turkey and a California hog, um, which I love turkey hunting, but waterfall hunting is just, it, you know, I say it's a sickness for me because it is. you get up and you're sick for it. You, you sick for it because you, you're sick for it in a good reason, right? You're sick for it because you want to do it again. You don't mind catching that cold. Yep. And uh, so a, a new experience in some fantastic locations, hunting and flooded rice. You know, that's not something we get in western uh, Minnesota, eastern South Dakota, or North Dakota. So just opportunities to, ex- to experience something totally new and unfamiliar, but just knowing that um, we're together, meeting new people, um, developing new relationships. It's pretty badass. It's really cool. It's, and, and, and 
you, and I think it's understated, right? It, it really is. It's, it, it's, that's where I was trying to go is like you, you think about it like you're going to go back to Minnesota tomorrow and I'm going to go back to my home. We'll see each other next month in Vegas. It's yep. shot. But it's just like these times at camp, you're just like, well, there'll be another one. Well, freaking let me tell you. There might not be. There might not be. You, you might. Never know. You might. You know the way your sons are wrestling. They might have a tournament. You might have a grandkid next year because your kids are so good looking. They got these girlfriends that you know. You know. You know what I'm saying. I don't here, think right? Ben's going to tune in for this one. But, ben, but Ben is a good looking dude. But what I'm saying is that anything can change. Yeah. Life changes. Life changes. In You're a having hurry. a baby right now, right, yep. Alex? Do, you uh, might not get to go hunting as much yeah. next year with a one-year-old. Oh, for sure, I won't be. I can tell you that right so now. So what I'm saying is that you can't ever just assume. Oh, we'll be back. Oh, there was a time I think you missed Shot Show, or you missed NRA. I missed NRA. You missed yep. NRA, and I was looking forward to seeing you. Like I'm not going this year. I'm like, frick. I missed and NRA. Yeah, it can happen anytime. Life, life. You don't know what life yeah, exactly. Right. And at 95 miles per hour, sometimes that curveball is breaking right in front of your eyes, and and uh, you. You don't see it coming. That's why you want to stay safe. You yeah. want to stay ethical. You don't want to get in a car wreck. You don't want to have a shotgun accident in the blind. Stay safe. Think about things, you know, and make sure that things are thought out and you live with passion and conviction, yeah. right? And things are going to happen. Good take calculated for, risks. Yes, take calculated risks. And you're, you, you the, 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 say, the, what is the, the sanctity, the sanctuary that we're in right now, yeah. but the sanctity that it provides for me is one that I'm happy when I'm talking like this because it gets me back to the reason why I do it when it's very easy for me to be like, well, I can just leave here tomorrow and go to Arkansas and I'll be welcome there. Well, bullshit. I might not be welcome with open arms. It's they might not let a, uh, the way Arkansas is, they don't, you know, you're not allowed to hunt public there for a, a certain amount of days a season. They might make it to where if you're from out of state, you can't hunt here, which would be really dumb because Stuttgart's the number one destination in America for out-of-staters to go and duck hunt. So anyway, you, you just never know what's going to change. I love this lifestyle. I think it's badass that product is what we base this conversation on, but then it goes down all these little rabbit holes of passion and conviction and friendship and movie quotes and movie and, and songs and friends and conservation and philanthropy and Rocco and Italian accents. And remember when you were, uh, oh, you must have just watched Rocco. I'll, I'll take a licorice rope. I'll take some jujubes. I'll take some. <laughs> Some junior mint. Oh, you must have just watched Rocky. <laughs> Let me guess. Rocky wins again? <laughs> but Eddie Murphy. That was yeah. Eddie Murphy raw. I, I was just going to say, where's Apollo Creed in all of this? Oh, God. If he dies, he, he dies. dies. Remember, he come out with James Brown. Living in a mare. And he got his ass whipped by Yvonne Drago. If he dies. And then, God, remember Rocky? the cutaway of, of his wife saying, stop, throw the towel, throw the towel. Remember Rocky, though, when he's got the freaking foam the big log on his back and he's running through oh, the snow yeah. around Russia it's have you seen of, Rocky 4 uh -uh. are you freaking god dang you gotta go watch we're gonna Rock. watch it tonight we're gonna watch dude have you ever tried to catch chickens just like Vision Quest right when all oh, the wrestlers shoot she was oh. walking with a that movie is awesome. I mean, me been threatened to watch me and Nash and you but Nash and I have been we will not watch straight out of Compton until we were together in Duck Camp, which it's been out for like three years. We haven't found the time to watch it yet. You haven't seen Straight Outta Compton no, yet? No, because we're huge rap wow. fans. Straight Outta Compton. Crazy name. Ice Cube. With the yeah. Oh, nigga, well. I got to saw it off. I squeeze the They might have in. a few um, anyway, words I, in there that's not for public air. No, but I, hey, look. I like the story rap. is I like intriguing. The story how the You know, you know who could hip-hop? Is Compton. Oh, yeah, Dan He Compton. does uh, the Humpty Dance. He did it on the Fat Life several <laughs> years ago a, in North Dakota. He's got a heck of a set of tubes. I saw Dan light up on your phone, and I thought it was freaking Compton. All right, Tom, hit the button. My Fat Life, 2AM Logic. This episode has come at you from the Gray Lodge 
Duck Club in the Butte Sink of California or like Brian Kellington calls it, the Butte Basin. We might rename it. might be on a map someday. <laughs> Rock Merlot, thank you. California Waterfowl, thank you. Gray Lodge, thank you. The place we hunted today, which we're not going to mention, thank you. Everybody that works for Rock Merlot, from Diane to all of his guides, for Riley and Brian, everybody, thank you so much for the boots on the ground. Thank you for the access. Thank you for the hard work. We do not take that for granted, and we could not do what we do without the hard work by all of our friends and family across the country. Support the military tell a veteran thank you tell a police officer firefighter emt public servants thank you for what they do to keep our communities and our country safe and our freedom safe every day this episode of the foul life podcast was brought to you by our friends at federal premium black cloud where you can find the new tss tungsten super shot as well as the original black cloud with the flight control flex wad it is so badass and i am talking it the lethality of it is unmatched. Look for it on your retailer shelf. Black Cloud from Federal Premium. Black Cloud TSS from Federal Premium. I'm Chad Belding, the host of The Foul. I thank you to my guests, Alex Schmig and Brian Kellington from Federal Premium. Black Cloud. Jason Nash, wish you were here. Dan Compton, wish you were here. Rick Stokel, wish you were here. Eric Carlson, wish you were here. Everybody in the Federal family, wish you guys were here. We'll see you at Duck Camp soon. Thank you guys so much. We will be back at you soon. Tom, hit that button. Thank you. <laughs>